0: Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPGA professional Cindy Miller. And we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from nine to ten a.m. Eastern here on the BlogTalkRadio.com network bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, Uh, good morning, everybody, and once again, thank you for joining us uh, on the Women of Golf Show. Just a quick program note uh cindy is off again this week uh, but we'll be back uh next week she's off doing uh some wonderful things to help elevate women's golf so uh it'll just be me here holding down the fort uh, as normal and uh, appreciate everybody tuning in this morning also another program note uh mike nichols of course the chief business officer of symmetra tour uh is actually in mid-flight uh will not be joining us this morning but we've got a great substitute Uh, Dean Schneider, the Tournament Director for the uh, Senior LPGA. He's going to be uh, coming on here in just a minute, Uh, but I wanted to say a quick note since we weren't uh, live uh, before. uh, Yesterday, of course, was Veterans Day. I want to take this opportunity to thank all of the uh, both current and past uh, military uh, folks and their families for their service for the country. We appreciate it, and uh, we are honored to have you uh, do what you do to protect this great nation. So, thank you to all of uh, the veterans out there and to their families. Uh, we hope you had a great Veterans Day uh, celebration yesterday. So, thank you very much for for your uh, for your service. Um, all right, as I mentioned, we're we're going to have a, a program change here. Dean Schneider is going to be coming out here in just a second. Uh, we will reschedule Mike Nichols for another date. In fact, I believe he may be uh, available next Tuesday. So, we'll see and and get things hammered down. So, I apologize for those that. Uh, We're specifically uh, tuning in to hear uh, Mike wrap up the uh, 2019 Symmetra Tour uh, season, but uh, we will get him in in, uh, the next week or so to to do that. But as I said, in the meantime, we've got Dean Schneider. He's graciously decided to fill in uh, for Mike this morning. And as I mentioned, he's the tournament director for the senior LPGA. So, Dean, good morning and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. All right. I appreciate it very much. And again, thank you for, uh, for uh, jumping in uh, last minute like that. We appreciate it very much. Um, Dean, as I was just mentioned to you a few minutes ago before we went live, um, I thought since I didn't get uh, a lot of heads up and I didn't get a chance to get much detail or background uh, on your journey in golf, if you will, I thought this would be a great opportunity for you maybe to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, how and when you sort of got started in the golf business uh, or golf in general, and then uh, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I started playing golf when I was
1: seven years old myself. I uh, always had a love for the game. Um, I played a ton of junior golf and uh, played uh, collegially at Moorhead State University in Kentucky. I was doing my undergrad in sport management, and then I was assistant golf coach for two years as well while doing grad school. Um, Actually did an internship um, with LPGA in January of 2014 and uh, got lucky and got hired a week later, and I've been with the LPGA since, so I'm going on my sixth, just completed my sixth season. Uh, I do work full-time with uh, the Symmetra Tour under Mike Nichols, and um, and then as well as the Senior LPGA Championship is also uh, one of my assignments for uh, since 2017.
0: Very good. So I want to just um, something sort of jumped out at me, and I think this would be a great opportunity because I know, uh, obviously, when we've talked to a lot of the tour players, many of them have had uh, some collegiate uh, experience as well. So you, you mentioned that you played collegiately at Moorhead uh, University in Kentucky. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what, was, what sort of stood out from your memory of that? Uh, because that's a little bit different than just sort of going out uh, and playing as an individual. You're now part of a team. So talk about that experience a little bit. You know, it's the 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 funny part is the first rule
1: that comes to my mind is our coach's rule was uh, 40 and 40. If it was over 40 degrees, we were playing golf and practicing. If it was under 40 mile an hour winds, we were still out there playing and practicing. So <laughs> I don't miss those days um, and being able to uh, just bundle up and not worry about having how many clothes I have on. That's the that's the nice part. But uh, you know, playing the team game is. Uh, certainly fun it, it we were huge we had probably i think one time we were up to 14 or 15 players on our team when as you know in wow. college golf only 5 travel so it's very right. competitive um it's one of those it i it is a team game but at the same time it's all individual scores so uh, you know here i was going out and trying to shoot my best scores but yet i wanted to beat my other teammates so i was traveling and com- and playing in all of the college events but uh it was funny our my college coach was actually I think he retired at 82 years old and he was the oldest coach since um the Penn State football coach retired and uh so it was pretty unique to have him and hear all the stories that uh went through from his days uh coaching all
0: the way up through until he retired. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, what a what a wealth of, of knowledge to be able to pass on to so many young uh, individuals and really help kind of carve their future. Um, I, I want to ask you, it's really kind of a two-part question. It's the same question, but two different ways. The first one is, talk about what specifically, besides the 40-40 rule, that you learned from your coach when you were playing for Kentucky. And then the other part is, what you've learned from watching some of the players, uh, whether it be on the Smetter or the LPGA Tour, um, what you've learned about your own game watching these uh, ladies play. But talk about University first. What did you learn from your coach? What did he teach you specifically that really helped you to understand your own game a little bit better? Yeah, he was definitely one
1: that uh, let everyone go with their own swing coaches and uh, didn't really try to – change everyone's swing into one certain style Um, mentally i think is where i learned the big i had the biggest jump learning under him and there's one specific uh mindset that stands out to me and i've actually had this discussion with a couple pro a couple pros and a couple college players that are still coming in but uh you know there's 18 holes of golf and he said why don't you break it down into three hole segments he goes if you make a birdie every three holes that's going to equal six birdies around, And I guarantee you're not going to shoot over par too many times if you're making six birdies a round. And, you know, it's funny because you think about that, oh, I'll make a birdie every three holes, it's pretty pretty simple. And then it's one of those, but at the end, six birdies, that's a, that's a pretty strong, pretty stout round. But mentally, I mean, if you can go out and break it down into those short hole segments and keep that focus shot by shot, uh, next thing you know, I've, I've had a couple of pros come back and they're like, man, I really, I really do like that mindset. Yeah.
0: And that's a great way, you know, I think to, to help you focus too on, on a specific task, you know, sometimes I think, you know, and, and I'm obviously referring to amateur golfers, you know, uh, I, you know, I teach golf as Cindy does, uh, Cindy Miller, the, uh, the other co-host here. And, you know, one of the things that we see with a lot of our amateurs is they get too much thought process into uh, their golf game. In other words, once they step over the ball, they've got about 20 or 30 different things going through their mind. You know, my, am I, am I, is my grip right? Is this right? Is, you know, my elbow sticking out or what have you? Um, and then they start thinking about, you know, the course itself. You know, i, I got to avoid that bunker out there or I've got to make sure I stay left. And they get so much thought going in there. So I think having a focus pattern on, you know, just, hey, try to, to get six birdies, you know, uh, throughout your round. Keeps you a little bit more focused and less distracted, I would think. What about from the ladies, though? So you've had a chance, obviously, to be involved um, with the uh, the senior LPGA, uh, and obviously you've had some exposure as well to the Sumetra. What has the ladies taught you? Uh, again, what what did you take away from that experience working with them? You know, seeing them play day in day out uh, at, at the various uh, events. What what has resonated with you about their style of play that's maybe helped uh, your game?
1: Yeah, definitely the uh, the hours that the girls put in that um, a lot of people don't see behind the scenes. You know, um, my job is to be in the office eight hours a day uh, when I'm not traveling, and uh, their job is to be on the golf course practicing eight hours a day. You know, that that is their job. So to see all of the practice um, techniques and regimens that they've got when they're out there um whether it's the off season or a couple of days before a tournament uh you know it, it's pretty cool to see for me personally walk around the driving range see all the different uh tools and techniques that they're using to practice um and then translating it into my game i know i'm just kind of what you said too much mentally i go uh I'm the exact opposite now, It's uh, and I was that way for sure in college. I was thinking uh, too much with my head, and now it's just go hit the ball, go find it, and figure out how to get it in the hole, and I feel like sometimes I play better now than I ever did.
0: You know, it's interesting that you say that because, um, you know, we often hear in the industry, you know, I, I, especially with amateurs, I wish I could take my range game know to the first tee you know they go out there in the practice tee and you know they're hitting some pretty decent shots and they seem to have everything under control and then as soon as they step up to that first tee it's like wait a minute where'd this guy come from you know i can't hit anything straight anymore and and things are all over and a lot of it goes to the mental side of the game is because they're they're bringing so much junk if you will to to their game that they're not able to really just even enjoy the round and i think that adds to a lot of the frustration so um, you know, you're you're exactly right. I think that the the mental side of the game is something that that people greatly overlook. And you know, Cindy and I joke a lot on the show about bringing a lot of baggage. You know, uh, you know, as Mike was heading to the airport, of course, he's pulling you know a bag or two for his flight. Um, well, people are like that on the golf course. They're pulling their baggage with them to the first tee. Um, you know, I, I played a bad round last week or, you know, I wasn't hitting it good out in the range or whatever the case may be. They're now carrying that baggage to the first uh, to the first tee. So what do you try to do again, just going back to what you just said, what do you try to do to avoid falling into that, that, that pitfall of bringing too much, you know, in your head when you're playing around, what do you try to do mentally to, to stave that off? Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because, um, I think with today's day and
1: age, you know, with having everything at our fingertips with uh, the cell phones, that's probably my worst thing. And to the point of the baggage, I think it's the same when it goes to players that are trying to practice. You know, um, I see pros that put their phones down and don't touch it for the day, so they're focused and locked in on what they got to do. And then I see pros out there hitting a couple putts and then pull their phone out and send text or or be on social media in between, and you just can't get in that right mindset. Um, you know, that baggage is staying with you, and I know, translating it to mine, when I try to play on the golf course, unless there's something that I know I'm waiting on or I have to be there, at, uh, you know, if there's a call coming in, or, in or, some, or an email coming in, I try to put my phone down because if I'm paying attention to my phone, I lose focus, I start... Um, hitting bad shots. And then I just, my careless attitude is there as well. And uh, so I know for me, it's really trying to just not paying paying attention to my phone, put it away and just, (laughs) and watch what's going on on the golf course.
0: You know, it's interesting. uh, You know, as I just mentioned, you know, I I teach as Cindy does and I primarily focus what I refer to as corporate golf. I, I deal with a lot of executives and things like that. So obviously naturally, you know, they've got phone in hand And I remember some time ago when when phones were really first starting to to come in, and obviously I'm talking about cell phones, um, you know, a lot of them would be so focused on staying in touch with the office or, you know, checking messages and things like that, that it was actually distracting. And I remember when, you know, we would go out for a playing lesson and, you know, I'd be in the cart and I'd look over and, you know, and I'll just throw a name out there, but you know, Bob would be sitting there and he's messaging his his secretary. And, and I'd say, well, Bob, you know, it's your shot. Go ahead. You need to, you know, step up and let's, let's get things going. And yet just a minute. And he'd, he'd go back and he'd be messaging something back. So now I make it a steadfast rule when I, uh, and my students know this, um, that I basically tell them if they touch their phone at any point, unless there's an emergency, I will skip it into the pond. The first pond I see, because mm-hmm. to me, you know, they're not getting the benefit of the lesson if they're busy um, distracting. Obviously, I'm not going to throw their, their cell phone into the pond. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I, I just do that as sort of a joking threat. But th- I want them to understand that they need to stay focused. And they need to, you know, if they're paying money to come and have a lesson, they're not paying to text and so forth. And if, they're, if their business is such that they can't put that phone down then they don't need to be learning to play golf. That's the way I look yep, at it and, because right, go ahead.
1: Yeah, and I was just going to elaborate that even more, Ted. You know, um and with us from from the tour, uh we've got pro ams every single week and uh you know, when the pros are out there practicing on their own time, you know, they're they're able to do what they want how they want, but uh when we, when they're there playing alongside the the corporate people, um, who have paid to play in the pro-ams and expect the interaction, you know, we expect that too from the pros. So we encourage to put the phone down, you know, half of the Mm -hmm. pro-ams are just a nine and nine. So you're out there for nine hours, put it down for two hours. And then, uh, this is your job playing alongside the pro-am and your amateurs and giving them that full interaction and that full, uh, your full commitment to those nine holes, you know, that is their day. There's something that they look forward to every single year. uh, And it might be a one day thing for most of them. So give them their full, your full attention for those nine holes or 18 holes. And then uh, when you're done, you can head back and catch up with what you need to on the phone.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, And I think it, you know, from, an amateur standpoint, I think that if I was again paying money to participate in a pro am event, the last thing I would want is to feel that I have no value in in that particular event. If the person that I'm paired up with, uh, or, or the pro that's you know in my group, is not really giving us any attention, I, I would feel very unsatisfied. And I know, uh, I'm sure 99.9% uh, don't have that feeling, but you know, in this day and age, with technology, as you pointed out, uh, that is a concern, and it's a concern in every facet of life, but especially on the golf course. Um, you know, I'm all for if somebody uh, is using a, some sort of a GPS app or something to help their game. I don't have a problem in that. But if they're doing other stuff, I mean, especially with slow play, you got groups in front of you and they're sitting there, you know, pilling around on their phone out in the middle of the fairway, and you're waiting to hit your shot. It's very, uh, it's distracting, and it, and it just makes for an, an overall Uh, an unenjoyable uh, round so let's talk about your your job as tournament uh, tournament director for those that maybe uh, don't understand what that means talk about what some of your function is uh, for an event obviously uh, you know senior LPGA at at French Lick of course has been uh, a great event talk about what what steps you do leading up to the tournament and during the tournament and then even after the tournament what you do what your job function is uh, in, in that event yeah, so as
1: tournament director, um, my the biggest thing for us are are the pro ams outside of the the tournament itself. We've got a staff that comes in and helps alongside me with with the rules and our operations team and our player services that kinda almost take over during the tournament rounds and then uh so my big priority is more for the, the business side pre-tournament when it comes to the pro-am days and the pro-am parties and practice rounds and so prior to the actual tournament itself I'm I'm connecting with uh, the local guys in French Lick uh, you know Dave Harner who's uh, the tournament director there on site and then um, also with the superintendent and the head pro uh, Russ Apple the superintendent and Andy Fortner, the head pro, you know, I'm connecting with those three guys the entire year. We're already starting on 2020 and we're locking down dates and times for the practice rounds and how the players can come pick up their golf carts to go play practice rounds, when they can start, when they can't tee off before, all the little things of everything that goes into the week of the tournament. Um, And then uh, once the tournament's there, we're actually making sure that we're connecting with all of those amateurs that have sponsored and are playing in the pro am to make sure they got their correct tee times that I'm coordinating with the pros that they're assigned to the pro am and then they're, who they're assigned to and where they're starting and all their tee times and uh and then we just take it day by day a uh, little by little I know I've learned as I've gone already in my 6 years uh just got to take it step by step. I can't look too far into the future. I got to take it day by day and make sure that, uh, nothing is overlooked for pro-am number one before I go on to pro-am number two, and then same into tournament rounds one, two, and three. And you know, what's been, what's been really cool, um, from my side of things with the senior LPGA at French Lick, um, is the, the connection with golf channel, you know, that was, um, for me personally, that was my first time I've had to coordinate with Golf Channel and their compound, bringing in their trailers, bringing in their TV towers and uh, putting all the uh, the fiber down for their TV t- uh, cameras and, and all the ropes and stake and learning the operations ins and outs from the Golf Channel side. So that's been a real cool experience uh, personally to, to learn um, the behind the scenes with them
0: yeah it's a lot of uh you know i, I think most spectators watching an event on t v don't realize just how much goes into it. i remember um a number of years ago I was out in California uh on a little vacation and in fact I went back again this year but um I happened to go around the time when they were setting up um the uh, a t t pro m at pebble Beach and it was literally um the week leading up to the event. And I mean, all the trailers were coming in, you know, the, the, the grandstands were being set up around, you know, near 18 and, and some of the other uh, areas. And it was just amazing. And, you know, you'd see the boom trucks and and this and that lifting things up and whatever. And it was just amazing just to see what goes on and the tournament hasn't even started yet. So there's a lot of work that goes into that. Um, Now, obviously uh, what, just let me back up for a second. The event at French Lick, the senior LPJ, when is that? What, what's the time frame? What, when was it in, uh, in 2019? So in 2019,
1: we were October 14, 15, and 16, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And uh, we were on Golf Channel from 3 to 6 p.m. each day. And then um, for 2020, we're moving to July. And uh, we'll be July 27th through August 2nd uh, next year
0: okay and was there a specific reason that they were moving it uh do you know offhand was it just a, a, a scheduling issue or or um, they decided to back to an earlier time
1: yeah initially in 2017 we were in july and then uh we moved okay. it in 2018 and 2019 to october it uh, was better dates for golf channel and uh we're going to go back to july 1 it's a uh, longer daylight for us and it's going to be much better weather it was uh little frigid the last couple years there and I know that we 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 would prefer to have some players not being all uh bundled
0: up right well I- exactly I think it makes you know obviously when you're when you're playing late October like that or even mid-October rather um you know you're getting into especially up in Indiana it's uh you know the leaves have changed or changing for sure and it looks Uh, aesthetically very nice but yeah it makes for some unpleasant play uh when when the you know players got to bundle up so much um when you look back over 2019 what was your overall assessment of the event um when you look at it um the success of it um what what particular uh maybe special moments that stuck out for you it's uh
1: it's pretty cool when you look not only 2019 but uh when you look back 2017, 2018 and now 2019 to look at the three winners the first year the inaugural year we had Trish Johnson as our as our winner um, from England and then we had Laura Davies who as you know is a World Golf Hall of Fame member from 2015 and then right now Helen Alfredson uh, winning this year in 2019 and uh, the field that is there is just I mean, it's remarkable. We have three members from the World Golf Hall of Fame, 17 major champions, and 24 Solheim Cup stars from 2019. And the field is uh, 78 members. So it's uh, it's very competitive. I know the one thing that uh, I hear from the players is it's great to see the senior LPGA come on board in 2017. And then the following year in 2018, the uh, – usga brought on the u.s senior women's open um and because of these two events you know these players are uh starting to actually get out there more and practice more and play more um before they didn't have a ton of events to keep their game sharp for so uh it's exciting for them and uh you know it's going to be exciting to see 2020 and moving forward um at french lick especially i know that golf course is very challenging, but uh' is always in great shape and I actually I ran into Tammy Green over here at lpga international the other day who's i believe she won seven times on tour with a major, and she said there's only one place to hit it, and that's where you're aiming it, and you have to keep it straight and she's like it was good though I'm going to continue to hone my game and uh I'm looking forward to next year as well
0: yeah it, um you know i'm I'm kind of chuckling to myself because i uh, when you mentioned about uh you know French Lick and that about being challenging. Um, you know we've had Dave Horner on here and, and others from uh, from French Lick and, and I know uh, Cindy of course uh, is a member of the Legends Tour and uh, obviously a former LPGA uh, player as well and uh, she's played up at French Lick uh, French Lick excuse me many times and will certainly attest it is definitely a challenging course and I actually watched I didn't watch it all but I did watch some of the, the senior LPGA event this year. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, there were some tough, tough holes, but what was interesting was even though, you know, throughout various, uh, moments in the tournament, you know, some of the, the gals got their balls into difficult situations. It's amazing, you know, when you compare it to watching it, you know, amateurs play, how very calm and cool and collective they are, at least on the surface, it appears, um, when they do get into some trouble uh they just you know sort of regroup and they just focus on the task at hand they don't think about that bad shot that maybe just happened uh certainly not in the moment and they regroup themselves and are able to you know get them uh in most cases into a successful recovery shot and that's uh i guess shows the difference between the pros and the amateurs is they're able to recover uh with much more success um dean i want to just uh just pause for just a second if you don't mind uh, I want to play something for the listeners. Uh, just take a little break here, so take a deep breath or two. And uh, we're going to play a, a promotional clip from Cindy Miller uh, about uh, business uh, golfers out there that want to um, not only improve in the boardroom, but also on the golf course. Cindy's got uh, some great uh, tips for you. So here's a little promotional spot. And then on the other side, Dean, you and I will continue our conversation.
1: Everyone knows business deals are made on the golf course. Knowing how to act is just as important as how you hit it. As an LPGA professional and corporate trainer, I offer workshops, seminars, and executive retreats to teach you how to do both. From the back nine to the boardroom, improve your team from the inside out, or golf 101 for executives might be the perfect fit for your team. Maybe it's time to make some deals on the course. For more information, go to cindymillerinc.com.
0: All right, and for those uh, maybe just joining a little bit later, that's, of course, my co-host, LBJ professional Cindy Miller, who uh, isn't with us this morning. She's off doing some other things, but we'll be back next week. Uh, but that was just a, a little promotional spot, uh, and if you're interested in connecting with Cindy Miller, uh, go to her website, cindymillerinc.com, uh, or you can reach out to her, cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and she'll be more than happy to uh, to connect with you and help you not only with your game, Uh, on the golf course but also in the boardroom as well and just a quick note uh, as well uh, you might want to pick up a copy of her book golf 101 for executives uh, by cindy miller Uh, you can go to amazon.com and uh, just type in uh, golf 101 for executives and just search it out you'll get a copy there or you can actually go uh, to cindy's website cindymillerinc.com and you can actually Uh, order it right online as well right from the website so definitely do that I've got my hot little hands on a copy a few weeks back and I've been enjoying uh, the reach he talks about a lot of great things about the game some of the do's and the don'ts some of the challenges that uh, that people are faced with and just some of the etiquette uh, that you need to know when you're out there so uh, for some of you in the boardroom that maybe uh, haven't played a lot of golf yet uh, some great resources. Get a copy of her book and connect with her as well, and she'll be more than happy to uh, to help you out. All right, I'm joined uh, this morning by Dean Schneider. He's the tournament director for the Senior LPGA, and he's uh, helping to fill in for Mike Nichols, uh, chief business officer from the Metro Tour, uh, who was supposed to join us this morning, but unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, he's uh, mid-flight and uh, wasn't able to uh, to join in this morning, and uh, was able to connect us with Dean here, who's uh, doing a great job filling in. So Dean, welcome back. Um, I, I want to sort of step things in a, a little bit different direction here. Um, we want to keep on the theme of course, of, of women's golf. Um, women's golf of course is still on the rise. It's probably one of the biggest demographics of new golfers um, that are playing uh, today. So all new golfers coming in, that's the highest percentage, particularly young, female golfers, and I'm sure a lot has to do with uh, watching uh, many of the ladies not only in the LPGA but the Symetra Tour as well, uh, getting very excited about that, and obviously more uh, opportunities um, that have been created through uh, collegiate golf as well uh, with scholarships and opportunities and things like that. So uh, it, it's a great uh, way for, for young girls to uh, get out there and, uh, and do something different. And uh, there, again, there are many doors that are opened up. But one of the things I want to ask you, Dean, is playing obviously is one aspect of golf, but teaching is also uh, important. What do you think? What role do you think um, golf, as a general rule, and, and I'm talking about every aspect of the golf industry, to help maybe some of the, the the girls make that transition? I mean, it's great to to be able to to battle it out there with some of the best out, whether it be the LPGA or the Senior LPGA but the truth is not everybody has that sharp of a game and the girls could certainly use more great quality instructors like a Cindy Miller and many of the others. What do you think golf can do to attract more people to that side of the game?
1: You know, I was thinking, uh, initially where, where my head went to with that was, uh, especially when I go out and watch our LPGA USGA girls golf and they're, their clinics and i'm sure cindy does those as well and you might as well but uh you know with the kids especially it's keeping it fun for the kids um keeping them entertained and you know making sure they have a good time and enjoying that they're coming out and then as they continue to grow it's then sharpening that game to your point and then uh next thing you know before long they're they're breaking 90, they're breaking 80, they're breaking 70 and now and we're in scholarships and we're in college golf and then it's uh there's it never really was a discussion. Well, what do you really want to do? Oh, guess what, you're good enough and I'm going to now try to play golf and play professionally. Um but I think, you know, also teaching uh and and I'm sure I'm not a teaching pro myself, but as you guys know, um everyone mm-hmm. is different. Everyone's shape bodies sizes, um, right. their movements, and their flexibility, so uh, really learning what people can do over others and what people can't do and uh, having to teach them, teach their swing uh, to the best of their ability with, uh, you know, what, what they're capable of.
0: Yeah, and, and the reason why I say that is is obviously, you know, there are... Um, the teaching side on the LPJ has certainly expanded. Uh I would like to see it more because I think there's some great and and I'll be quite honest and maybe I'm a little biased in some ways um towards the ladies because you know doing this show here has really introduced me to a lot of great uh LPJ teaching professionals uh Cindy being first and, and and front and center. Uh I've enjoyed, you know we we're going to uh, I think she she doubts this but we're going into our seventh season next year with this show. Uh, And her and I have been, been, you know, having some great conversations with a lot of uh, very interesting folks from the golf industry and particularly uh, on the teaching side uh, of the LPGA. And I mean, these ladies worked incredibly hard uh, in my opinion, much harder than a lot of the guys do on the teaching side. And I come from that side. So I can, I can say with, uh, utmost certainty that these gals work a heck of a lot harder than the boys do so you know Mm -hmm. i want to keep that momentum going and i want to see that happening where more young girls you know god bless them if they want to go out and and battle it on tour i'm all for that but i also want them to be encouraged and i think that uh you know to, to get into the teaching side because i think that you know as a player you know a lot of these players go out there and some of them will make that transition a little bit later on but a lot of them maybe don't necessarily have the skill set to be a great teacher. So we need to, to find individuals before uh, they necessarily go out and play and really find out is the teaching aspect something that they're going to be really good at that they want to give serious consideration. Because I don't want to see a situation down the road, Dean, um, where we have uh, you know, less and less female teacher professionals out there uh, because we're not doing enough in the industry to encourage that what are, what are your thoughts yeah you know it's when I look specifically at uh, Symmetra
1: Tour and and the girls I know that are out there playing or have played um, you know uh, there are definitely those that are better teachers w- than others we've get we get girls that come out and one specifically love to sign up for the junior clinic and teach the juniors and um And you can go down the line and see which ones are a little bit more natural of a teacher compared to the others. But then at the same time, from another side of teaching aspect, you know, I see girls that uh, when they they give give it their couple years of trying professional golf, and then they're like, well, maybe I don't really necessarily know the swing and all the... um, teaching mechanics, if you will. But at the same time, I've got my experience in playing professional golf and playing collegiate golf and, uh, the mind, the mind side of it, that, uh, I'm going to go into teaching college golf. And we've had a couple of semester pros go in that have became college coaches as well. And so I know when I look and listen to you say the word teacher, um, you know, there is so many different ways to call, uh, these ladies teachers as well. So it's, it's unique to mm-hmm. see which, which kind of road they might go down afterward.
0: Yeah. It, and I think a lot of them, you know, we, we've had the pleasure, uh, over the last several seasons here on the show, thanks to, uh, um, you know, uh, Zach and and Mike from the Smetra tour, having a lot of these uh, great uh, young ladies come on the show. We, we interview the winners every week, uh, each season and uh, we actually just wrapped up here uh last week uh having a couple of the um uh, young ladies from the uh who qualified to the at race for the card on Smetra mm-hmm. in order to earn uh their cards uh, out on the Lpj and actually one of the young ladies that we had on was uh, Julieta Granada who actually has mm-hmm. been out on the Lpj before and you know and, and I'm sure you're familiar with her and and I mean what a mm-hmm. I mean she's 32 years old and she's still out there battling Uh, in her game, and a lot of people think, well, 32 is pretty young, but I'll tell you, um, and it is, certainly compared to my age because I'm in my mid-50s, but, um, you know, what people don't realize is the stamina it requires to play each and every week out there, and I know Sumetra had a very grueling season this year uh, with, Mm -hmm. I think it was seven or eight events at one point uh, in a row, so that's another thing, too, that, you know, a lot of people don't appreciate. You know, we were talking earlier about what goes on behind the scenes, Um, you know, with the pros and so forth, but a lot of people don't realize, um, you know, when you're playing three and then now many of these girls that transition to the LPG are going to be playing four events a week. That's a lot of golf back to back, uh, on top of all their practice time and their fitness routines and all this other stuff. Um, so that's something that I think that, uh, you know, a lot of players, uh, and a lot of amateurs particularly, uh, don't appreciate that what these young ladies have to go through. Um, What would you like to see uh, happen as the – we'll go back to the senior LPGA event. What would you like to see happen? Are there changes coming up? Is there anything different uh, that you know of that's going to be happening up uh, for 2020 other than the date change? Yeah,
1: so – and for those that didn't hear earlier, I just want to – I'll say again, the date change for 2020, we will be moving the senior LPGA back to July. The end of July It's going to be July 27th through August 2nd. Um, Previously in 17, 18, and 19, we played Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, the tournament rounds. And then uh, in 2020, we're going to actually have the pro-ams on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the tournament rounds on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it's going to be more of a traditional uh, LPGA or Symmetra tournament week, um, whereas before it was kind of the wraparound with pro-ams on Friday, Saturday, and then tournament rounds on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, We've also are looking at, uh, I believe we're going to bring the qualifier back into play for 2020. And uh, so those that aren't in the uh, exemption list or can't get on through the top 78, there will be a a chance to qualify in for, for those senior ladies that would like to come uh, get those top two
0: spots out of the qualifier. Yeah, there's a lot of changes, uh, you know, that happens and a lot of adjustments that happen in, in the golf industry over the last several years. Uh, you know, the introduction of the Q series uh, now uh, as, as opposed to uh, Q school, if you will, and, and so forth. And I know that that's something that's really uh, made a difference for a lot of the young players trying to uh, earn their card that maybe didn't make it into the top 10. Um, one thing I want to ask you about the tournament specifically, you you talked a little bit about leading up to the events uh, you know, what goes on as tournament director and and coordinating with the on-site directors. Um, But what about after the event? Okay. So back in October, as you mentioned the 14th to the 16th of this year was the senior LPJ at French Lick. Um, When do you start getting ready for next year? I mean, obviously you've got the date set up now for July. How soon after this year's event do you start getting ready and organized for next season? Yeah, it's
1: definitely um, a wraparound year, year-long year event. I know as soon as the tournament was done, um, I actually had lunch with Dave Harner on the following Thursday, the 17th of October, and uh, we were already talking about our changes for 2020, and um, he's going to come down as well as uh, Mr. Ferguson and Brendan Sweeney, and they're going to come down to our CME Tour Championship on the LPGA in uh, two weeks down in Naples. And uh, we're going to have a meeting there. We're going to really hone in on the 2020 changes and updates. Uh, you know, it is it is one of those that, especially being the first ever senior LPGA tournament in the books for the, you know, since that LPGA was founded in 1950, uh, it's one of those that we we kind of had... A blank napkin, if you will, that we started with, and uh, so every right. single year we're we're learning what might have went well, and uh, you know some things that we need to tweak, or what we thought might have went well and then didn't go so well. So now we we have to look <laughs> back at those and uh, you know own up to a couple things, but at the same time, all we're doing now from year to year is just really fine tuning the event, and uh, it's really exciting to see it grow from. 2017 now to 2020 and um and especially with now actually having a history to talk about too you know being able Mm -hmm. to tell you those three three winners that we've had in each year and uh so it's pretty cool
0: yeah and the other thing too dean i think that a lot of people don't um you know understand as well um you know even though you guys have put on Many many events over the years. When you introduce a new event like this, it's a sort of a trial and error for the first little bit because yeah, you you do base it on other models and that, but you you have to make tweaks along the way, and you're always, as you just pointed out, trying to find ways of improving the experience, not just for the players, uh, but for the sponsors and for those participating in the pro am as well. So you know, and and obviously for the the host uh, courses and things like that, you're trying to make it a a, a better uh, well-oiled machine, if you will. And uh, that takes a lot of work. So, you know, I think people are misguided when they think, okay, well, the tournament's over. So you just, you know, you just, you know, rinse and repeat what you did last year. Uh, but that's not always the case. You know, you, you have to, there are issues as you said that may come up uh, uh, or circumstances that maybe could have been improved upon. So it's a, it's a constant evolving uh, uh, tournament, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, to your point as well, you know we, we don't
1: want it to be a uh, rinse and repeat, especially for the amateurs that are coming in playing alongside the pros. You know, If you go play as an amateur into a tournament and you're given a, a, a tea gift for your sponsorship and playing alongside, you don't want to show up every single year and get that same tea gift. So we've got to be creative right. as well from my end and uh, our team to make sure that uh, it does feel like a new event and that every amateur and sponsor is excited to come back every single year. Cause if you, if you rinse and repeat two, three years, next thing you know, you're going to start losing sponsors and losing the activity and the, the excitement around the tournament. Whereas we want people to be excited and then look forward to our event coming back every single
0: year. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And <clears throat> pardon me. And I think that's what makes it special is, is knowing that when you come back each year it's a new experience i think that's unfortunately pardon me what makes um sometimes it difficult um for these events is because you've got to be creative and you've got to um not get into that trap of making it the same uh event every single year you certainly want an overall uh similar experience Um, you, you know you want them to have a good enjoyable experience but you want them to be excited about coming to the event and say, "What you know, what's going to be new this year? What can we expect? And that's not an easy thing uh, to pull off because, you know, you after a while you start saying, well, okay, well, we did that last year and, you know, we did that a couple of years ago. What can we... So keeping it new and fresh sometimes can be uh, some of the most challenging uh, uh, aspect of it. Would you agree? Absolutely. And it, it, what's cool, though, um,
1: from my side, and I've learned as I've you know, year to year in my experience now is that I can pull from other events. And I, even when I travel to a PGA tour event, I'm constantly looking around. What can I, um, take from them, if you will, and, and pull from them and say, man, I learned this over there, or, or I went to another Symmetra tour event that I didn't, that I wasn't a part of that, uh, I was like, oh, that'd be really unique. And that's a really cool idea, or that's a great gift, um, and you know, not only just just the gifts themselves, but the contacts of uh, those companies and where they get those. I specifically French Lick. I have an example I'll share with you there. The uh, the head pro over at the Ross Course, he does our symmetrator event, um, hmm. and Rob is his name. And and they come up with the greatest gifts every single year at French Lick, and uh, he. I know, specifically, he goes, every single year at the PGA show, I walk around, I find something new, and usually it's just on the trophy side. But he goes, I I want to keep it unique and fresh. And every single time I go there, I ask for the contact of where he got it from so I can steal it and use it at another event.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got that. Well, that's listen, that falls into the creative category. You just got to know where to go to find it. Um, well said, uh, Dean. You know, I, I think what... What makes it, um, you know, really special? One of the things that that I and I know Cindy enjoys doing about the show is is speaking with many of the young up and comers, particularly uh, in golf. As I said, you know, we we obviously, uh, you know, I had the pleasure last week of of uh, speaking with uh, Esther Lee and and uh, Julieta uh, Granada, of course, who who uh, is a little bit more seasoned of a player uh, than some of the others. But we've had some fir- a lot of first time winners this year, and it was really interesting. Uh, to sort of hear their story and their journey where, you know, they've had very successful collegiate careers, but then they get out uh, on the semester tour and suddenly, you know, that first wind seemed to elude them uh, and they would get very down on themselves and just, you know, am I, you know, do I need to be doing this or, you know, maybe it's time for a change or what have you. And somehow some way they found the wherewithal to say, you know what, I'm out here to have fun. I want to enjoy this experience. And lo and behold, usually within the next week or sometimes two weeks, uh, they would win their first event. And suddenly it sort of solidified um, their thought process that, you know what, yeah, I I do need to still be out here. So that's a difficult thing, I think, for a lot of these young pros coming up um, to really appreciate. Now, obviously, on the flip side, again, working with a lot of the senior LPGA players uh, and seeing them that have played for many years, they've already learned that uh, experience that you're going to have ups and downs. Um, But you get to witness a lot of that, too, with the events, you know, working with players and talking with players and stuff like that. Um, When you look back over 2019, um, were there any sort of special moments that you can think of that stuck out for you, whether it be um, with specific players, um, you know, watching them play, uh, seeing their reactions or just the overall experience? flow, if you will, of the season. What was uh, impressive uh, for you about 2019? Yeah, specifically,
1: um, and obviously I'm going to look directly at the tournaments that I ran, but, uh, you know, in Cincinnati this year, uh, which was the Prasco Charity Championship at TPC Rivers Bend, um, that was the end of June. So about middle of our season, uh, we had this new player come out of UCLA, Patty Tabatankit. And yes. as she had just played one event, I believe, before that. So Cincinnati was her second event. And um, one thing we, the creativity side here, back to, um, we started doing player bios. And so every single pro-am cart receives a bio of the pro that they're playing with. So now they've got a little bit of a, a background and now talking piece for when they meet their pro. They can direct conversation and say, "Oh I, I saw you started playing at UCLA. you just graduated. but um, right. anyway, so with that, I was creating UCL uh, I was creating Patty's um, bio and she I believe she played 12 college tournaments and won seven, which is wow. incredible. And then she came out to Sumetra and I saw her on the range in Cincinnati and I watched her hit a couple of balls and I said, man, she didn't miss a shot just on the range. And mm-hmm. so then that tournament specifically, I made a point to uh, go out and watch a couple of holes and she ended up shooting eight under the first day, was in the lead, mm-hmm. ended up finishing second that week and lost to Perrin Delacour and yep. those two... As you know, both received their tour card for 2020. And Patty ended up winning three times. And when she won in Sioux Falls, the Sioux Falls Great Life Challenge, we're standing there right after the ceremony. And I've got a group of flags for her to sign. And she pulled her phone out. And as you can imagine, she's getting blown up by all these congratulatory texts. (laughs) And one of them was from Perrin. And she goes, come on girls stop playing so well give me a chance to continue to uh, keep my number one spot <laughs> so it's cool right. to see you know the player interaction with each other and then to also um, see how competitive they are because you know they've they both got their tour card but they were both fighting for that number one spot and I mean even not just that number one spot but it is their job so they want to continue to make as much money as possible and so it it is cool to see that behind-the-scenes um, fire in each, in them, if you will.
0: Yeah, we had, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had the pleasure of, of having the winners this season, Patty. And, of course, Perrin uh, was on. In fact, Patty was on multiple times, as you can imagine, uh, this season. I think Perrin was on a couple times as well um, mm-hmm. this season. But, um, you know, you're exactly right in your analogy. One of the interesting things that, that I discovered – was the camaraderie. I mean, even though, you know, behind the ropes, if you will, um, or rather in, in the side of the ropes, they're, you know, they're battling it out. When they come outside, uh, there's a lot of congratulatory, uh, you know, um, comments and, and uh, you know, words, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, to one another, um, which just shows the, the, the level of sportsmanship. You know, the thing that really impressed me, I think, the most with, uh, a lot of these young ladies was not so much their focus on their game. I mean, bar none, some of the best focus I've seen was just how really in tune they were with putting their best foot forward, if you will. And what I mean by that is, you know, many of them, just as you pointed out, you know, are very supportive of one another, even though they're competing week in, week out. And yeah, there might be a little ribbing, a little jostling going on here and there, Um you know, throughout the year, but the truth is, they, they respect and value one another as individuals, and they are there. Um, I, I remember a couple of young ladies; the names uh, escape me right now, but um, that actually talked about times when they were really down this season, just things were not you know happening for them. Um, but they would get messages, or they would get you know a, a, an arm around the shoulders, and say, you know, we know you can do it. So there was a lot of support. Uh, out there in the Symmetra Tour for one another. And that's something that really impresses me because that's not easy. I mean, when you're being competitive, you've got to have your competitive hat on. But at the same time, it just shows the humanity that a lot of these ladies show one another. Yeah, absolutely. And, and,
1: you know, it all starts, I think, back to the junior golf days where they're playing alongside each other as friends. And then they go to colleges and they're playing, um, even if they're not on the same team, they're playing at college tournaments where they see each other a lot and then you know in in college golf they've got their coach kind of um taking them step by step along the way and then in when it, they come over to the Symetra Tour side or even making it straight to the LPGA you know they're kind of they're on their own they don't have that coach anymore that's truly right. hand holding them they're having to learn how to travel from site to site um whether it's by car or plane, um, they're probably traveling together. Those that they make friends out there, they um, mm-hmm. decide, hey, let's make this a little bit cheaper, and we'll we'll carpool. Or then, when it comes to host housing, some players will bunk up together. Whether it's in a a host family's home, you know, in mm-hmm. a city, or if it's in a uh, hotel room, they'll get a couple beds in a hotel and make it cheaper that way. And, and then they're practicing and doing practice rounds together and then they don't have their college coach out there necessarily looking at their swing but now they're each saying hey can you take a video of my swing here and so they're helping each other out and they're giving them tips and uh i see that all the time just like you're saying if uh a girl's struggling on the putting green so another one will come over and take a look at at it for or we'll give her a little tip and. And then back to our our conversation earlier of just being confident when it comes to the mental side. You know, once you get that, mm-hmm. once you see the ball start rolling in the hole, and you you get that confidence back, it's a it's a big game changer for these girls.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. And and as I said, it really impresses me um, listening to them. And we're looking forward, of course, to having. Uh, a, a new group of, of young ladies come on board next year as they win their tournaments. And I know there's some that maybe didn't make it through and, and um, you know, hopefully uh, they will learn from their experience in the 2019 season and help them move forward in 2020 and, and not look at it as, as a loss or, or a setback, but a, an opportunity for learning. As I mentioned earlier, Julieta Granada, of course had been out back in, in 06. In fact, she was, um, won the most money as a rookie on her LPJ debut in 2006. And it wasn't until 2014 when Lydia Ko actually surpassed that. So she knows she has the game. She had to take a step back and come back to the Symmetra in order to regain her card, uh, her, uh, you know, her status. But, you know, she didn't let that get her down. She said, okay, this is an opportunity uh, for me to learn uh, to, you know, cope with difficult situations, but also, an opportunity for me to regroup and also she has the, the ability to learn from her experiences already out on on the uh, LPGA tour as she propels herself this season uh coming up so you know there's a lot it's, it's a continual learning experience I think this is what people miss the boat on in golf it you never learn everything all at once until the day you you leave this earth there's always going to be something new to learn and I think that's one of the interesting things about the game is it's it's that challenging um but can be equally rewarding um Dean I want to thank you very much for for joining me. I, I I can't believe this and I hope you don't mind me I kept you a little longer than probably uh, you needed to be but uh I was enjoying uh the you know our conversation and I would love to have you come back in the new year. Uh in fact maybe we may even coordinate it right around uh the uh leading up to the tournament in July. I think it'd be interesting to to get some perspectives of of the the uh senior LPJ event coming up uh, back at French Lick in July for next season so sure. maybe we'll coordinate that way. But um, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining me this morning and for filling in for for Mike. You did a fantastic job, and uh, keep up the great work. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Ted. I enjoyed it as well. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Special guest, uh, Dean Schneider, Tournament Director for the Senior LPGA. Uh, He's got to get back to work, so uh, we can't uh, can't keep him, but uh, I want to thank him for joining us this morning. Thanks, uh, Dean. Take care. Thank you. All right. And that's it for the show. Uh, again, um, for those of you tuning in a little bit later, I know you were perhaps expecting to see Mike uh, or hear Mike Nichols, the uh, uh, chief business officer of the Smetra tour uh, to come and wrap up the season. Uh, regrettably, he uh, was mid travel and wasn't able to, but very graciously uh, connected us with Dean last minute here, uh, the tournament director or the uh, senior LPGA tournament director at French Lick. And uh, he, is um, going to uh, come on the show, I believe, next week or or certainly within the next couple of weeks. We'll have to reschedule Mike, of course, but um, we appreciate uh, him uh, helping us out here last minute. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Cindy, uh, as far as I know, is coming back next week unless something else comes up, Uh, but we appreciate you joining in and, and all of your continued support and hope you will continue to support us. Uh, as we uh, continue on through the season, we've only got a few more shows. I think there might be one more show this month and then we'll be taking a break uh, during the week of Thanksgiving. And then we have, a, I think, a, a couple of more, maybe three more shows in December before we uh, break off for Christmas. And we'll be taking an extended break and then starting up a little bit later in the new year. I'll give you those dates uh, coming soon. But uh, we appreciate all your con- continued support. God bless everybody. Have a great uh, week, and thank you very much for tuning in to the Women of Golf Show. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Castbox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.